Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to episode 2 of the La Fontaine's podcast with me, Kerr, Jamie and Daz. If you're just joining us, here's a sketch. Each week we'll share a story from our book, The La Fontaine Solved 12 of Life's Most Common Problems. The stories are written and narrated by Jamie. Taking from his point of view, he regales tales from our times together on the road playing with the band. On week one, we shared our experiences of the first time we went to New York to play some shows and Jamie was tricked into smoking crack cocaine by some guys standing on a bridge. This week we rewind back to the summer of 2013 and find ourselves with a headline slot at Scotland's premier festival, Tea in the Park. At the time, it was our biggest gig to date. It was going to be broadcast to the nation on the BBC, and as a band already with a reputation for causing some trouble, we had to be in our best behaviour. Unfortunately, not every member got that memo. Jamie will tell you the rest. Join us at the end for our now customary post-match analysis. Cheers. It's the summer of 2013. The band has just been asked to headline the BBC stage on the Sunday night at Scotland's infamous Teen the Park Festival. At the time, it was to be our most prestigious gig of our so far uphill career. It's due to be filmed for the telly and the band, as well as all my aunties, are pure excited. There's been a right good bit of PR and online hype surrounding the gig, and there is no room for error here. This is one crucial fucking show. The previous four or five years of the festival, one of my best friends, Johnny, had organised a coach to go back and for it up to the site. This bus, coined affectionately as the Five Skin Express, was of near-mythical reputation for total unhinged chaos. Such was the popularity of the Five Skin Express. This year Johnny had upgraded to three coaches from one and it was due to leave around 10am on a Thursday from the Old Wisher Market site. Due to the legendary status of this travelling experience, there were nutters of all ages booking with Johnny who actually lived further away than the expected 90 minutes drive. I'd never been on the bus, always travelling up with the rest of the band. This year was got to be different though. We weren't playing till the Sunday night 
and with no gigs or any more rehearsals beforehand. I couldn't wait to sample this documentary-worthy trip of a lifetime. Are you fucking up in that Johnny's bus? Was the general consensus for the rest of the group on unveiling my decadent pilgrimage idea. Already aware of previous stories of arrests, missing persons, near fatalities, pregnancies, the band thought it'd be seriously unwise for me to go up so early. But I wanted a large slice of the action that this bus had promised. Unadulterated mayhem. Somehow, I managed to charm them all into the idea that I would meet them on the Sunday. They knew in my inhuman skill we'd been able to drink long periods of time without inducing hangovers. A hangover I've since discovered is your body's way of saying that your liver is working and is not happy with the treatment you bestow upon it. I had to promise that I'd be fit for the Sunday, which was fine. I knew how important this gig was to everybody, and so I reserved my space on my friend's 56-seater. Thursday morning's glorious sunshine arrives and I've got my things packed for the weekend. Except for the jeans and paisley pattern shirt that I'd already slept in on the previous night, I had an Aldi bag with only a hoodie and a toothbrush. I tend to travel as lightly as possible. I've never taken a tent to a festival and I always arrogantly and optimistically think it'll be alright. I'd absolutely fuck all money, which is fine. I'd brought my guitar to the meet-up point and played some Oasis songs before the bus departure. Made it with 80 schmeckles, due to the fact that word had spread that one of the guys in the headline bands was going up and he was totally devoid of any sweet moolah. Happy days, thought little old me, as I treat oneself to a packet of 20 Marlborough and a bottle of holy tonic wine. The wishy press guy comes and takes a big group photo and my mum was even there to wave the bus off like a primary school trip as the bus departed. My dad and her would be up at tea in the park on a Sunday night to cheer me on. Five minutes in, it's already pandemonium. People jumping over seats, setting fire to all sorts of things and hairstyles. CD cases with various powders being shared like Jesus in the 5000. Spirits are at an all-time high as the tunes are turned up to 12 and empty cans are being launched in the direction of the driver. He's been paid handsomely and knows the drill, so fuck him. This is truly a spectacle to behold. Never seen the likes. People in the bus are genuinely excited, it seems, for the set on Sunday night. The final act we'll see that weekend. I can't wait. I'm sure my aunties can't either. The Five Skin Express arrives at its destination around midday, and everyone wobbles merrily off the roller coaster into scorching hot weather. There's already been a few sickies, but it's a team effort here and 150 people come together to help move sledgefuls of tenants and granny trolleys laden with class A's. Somebody's managed to lose their ticket and Johnny had gave them his as I reckoned it'd be fine to be able to wing him in at the box office with a guest because I'm a fucking rock star. And they sweat for Keenan here. Sure enough, we managed to enter the festival no bother. Johnny and myself each given the access all year as artist pass. I could have probably get my aunties in as well such as my charm and the report with the staff. We get through the gate and all of our pals are at the other side of this gigantic festival site, so we start the expedition north to where half the town of Wishy has begun to settle for the weekend. Johnny actually managed to get knocked in with a bus hilariously. It was his confused expression when he looked about in the dust as to see what the fuck happened. I'll never forget that. 
one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Continuing on, we bump into all sorts of folk that we know. Everyone with delicious anticipation for the weekend ahead. Fucking gas, it's got to be amazing. When we arrived to base camp in Red 2, which has now been rechristened Wishy, everyone's got tents set up and settling in. Lo and behold, it seems I've got more than plenty of options for places to sleep, and I placed my toothbrush and hoodie in a blue two-man tent with my wee pal Marky. There's no live music at the festival until Friday afternoon, so there's nothing else for it but to drink and soak up the merry dangerous atmosphere as more revelers arrive and Wishy expands to include the territories of Red 1 and Red 3. I'll give a wee shout out here to my pal Chelsea, who reminds me it was Red 2 that we camped at, as she's just handed me a caramel latte. At the precise moment I've just realised I've evolved into everything that I hate. Writing a book in a coffee shop like a total fucking wanker. Now I'm recording a podcast like a, a total fucking wanker. Anyway, the rest of the day passes without much event. I drank, fell asleep several times, dropped copious amounts of shite, and visited other friends I knew who opted to sensibly set up at various other parts of the campsite. At some point, someone has given me a couple of Valium, and throughout the night, I remember very little. I really fucking hate Valium. I've only took them two or three times and I always black out. I strongly advise people not to take these, especially mixed with the booze. It's about 10 o'clock on Friday morning, and the sun is back out in ferocious fervour. People are beginning to stir, brushing teeth and getting £9 bacon rolls, and maybe cracking open a can or whatever. My mind is on getting water, but fuck paying for it for the 60 pesetas left in my jeans. So I'm having a wee walk to somewhere to fill up a big empty bottle and quench my skinny frame. I know that I was smoking a wee joint somebody gave me, but there's not much left and I'm ready to throw it. But it was enough for PC Plod and his apprentice with the big ears like plugs to ask me to have a wee search of my person. Fair enough. I complied knowing that I didn't have anything else dodgy on me. The coppers were cool, letting me know that the wee spliff was fine, as long as I had no other contraband. After a thorough pat down, they tell me that I'm free to go. Enjoy yourself, they say afore, tell me to wait a wee minute. At this point, PC Pod procures a big bag of white powder for the pockets of my paisley pattern. Fuck. What's this, they inquire? And I've honest to God, no idea where it's came from or what it even is. Just a big bag of white powder. I'm also mangled for the two Valium I've taken as they begin to take their horrid effect. The two polos steer me into this wee tent to take my details and I'm slurring out total fucking nonsense to them whilst trying to proclaim my innocence. As they cut off the pass from my wrist and prepare to escort me off the site, I tell them, I'm playing in a band this weekend. Ah, what band? I have called the LaFontaine's. We're getting filmed for the BBC. Man, he's not that. I've got to be watching on the telly. I reckon that this was one way of redeeming myself into the salvation of VIP safety. As it turns out, it was a big mistake. The prick with the big ears, little pogo stick, goes to say something on his radio, whilst the other copper says, shouldn't have told us that, son. The prick is walkie-talkie through to the organisers that the LaFontaine's drummer has been blacklisted from the site. I'm outside the gates, 
and I walk around to the box office where I try and find my manager, Artie, who's working at a festival in some port of cabin. I wastedly try and explain to her what's happened, and she's telling me to fuck off home, and she'll try her best to get it sorted. She's been informed by this time of my situation. She's livid, but she's also sympathetic. She tells me to get to my bed, because I can hardly talk. I go to sleep, but just not in my bed. I have a kip near where all the buses are dropping people off. I don't know what time it is when I wake up, but instead of going home, I get up and walk around the perimeter of the festival, trying to find some way of sneaking in. The security guys in the towers can see me sneaking about the bushes like a cat, clearly miles away from anyone or anything. As you'd expect, I was not permitted entrance. The security and the police, having radioed around saying there was a guy with a Paisley pattern shut, lost in the bushes, claiming to have an artist band. I wake up on the Saturday morning in my own bed, slightly groggy, but still hangover free. Wink, wink. I try to recall what was up to the night before. Fuck! I check my phone and the band's group on Facebook at the time. No one is amused whatsoever. Hundreds of missed calls. They're calling for my figurative and literal head. Fuck, man. I don't even know how I got home. I'm filled with remorse on a scale that I've never had. I go downstairs and the parents are surprised to see me. I begin to cry. Maybe for the first time in my adult life. Because I'm just that fucking macho. Ask MD. And I explain to them what's happened. They show me some mercy, they tell me that I'm a stupid, stupid boy. I really am a stupid, stupid boy. What shall my aunties think, I dread? The band have already got rehearsals going with another drummer, a guy called Dean Stewart, amazing, as it's looking highly unlikely that I'll be readmitted to Team the Park. My place in the band is like Shane McGowan's teeth, something there, but essentially well and truly fucked. Shane McGowan's since got actually lovely teeth. Same with me. I'm instructed not to attend the band practice. The contempt would be too high anyway. I'm open about wish on a gorgeous day. I don't think I'd ever felt so low. But my manager, Artie, she phones to say that there's a good chance that I could still play the gig the next day, but I'd have to get a police escort to the stage and back out after the performance. Which I think would maybe be the coolest entrance to a gig ever. Aesthetically, this would make me a super cool looking bad boy and solidify my macho reputation. I went out for a celebrity pint, unable to wait for the next day to be walked onto stage with handcuffs and two police, let loose to play the drums and then be cuffed again, like some sort of rock and roll lunatic. Maybe they could get us a straitjacket. The theatrics of this would be beautifully apt, I reckoned. I returned home that night with hope in my wee black nicotine fractured heart and ate a wonderful sausage supper from Tony's Chippery. As they say about me, I fall in the Clyde and come out with a fish. I wake up the next day on a Sunday, full of beans or sausage supper or Valium or whatever to check my mails and my messages. Turns out that's a definite no-go for me that night. All of the press have found out by this stage and if I was readmitted, then it would have a front-page story about how it's totally unfair with other punters being ejected for similar offences and a different rule for, for the artists. 
I understood, but I was totally fucking crushed. My mum and dad had obviously decided to now not attend Teen the Park because it would be pointless without their fallen angel youngest child behind the kit. I wanted to stay in bed and feel sorry for myself. However, they tried to console me with a trip to Troon Beach. What the fuck? In hindsight, it was great for me. I really felt that I had no pals left in the world. I sat in Troon Beach in the nicest day of the year, face tripping me, occasionally greeting. It was during when the band was performing, about seven o'clock that night, and my mum noticed a girl walking past me on the beach with a La Fontaine's t-shirt on. The darkest emotion I've ever experienced. I had another greet when my Pizza Express came when we got back into Glasgow. I'd met a few folk I knew in the town, asking me why I wasn't up at tea in the park. Was I not meant to be playing? And I put on Facebook that I was playing in the... It's got to be on the telly and all that sort of thing. The band's set managed to go okay, thanks to the talents of Ian Stewart, and of that, I'm eternally thankful. The band called a meeting a few days later in Bath Street, and they gave me a cuddle, and they knew how dreadful and genuinely guilty I felt. Still understandably furious, they told me to screw the nut and sober up. Of course, that weekend when I thought I'd screwed the nut, I was finally admitted to somewhere. It was Monkland's Hospital in Airdrie, where I was in a quarantined room for a week with a compromised pancreas and a right testicle the actual size of a can of tenants. Doctor's orders to lay off the spirit for good and not drink for three months. Fair dues. Lesson learned. Sort of. <laughs> a few weeks later, the footage for Tina Park went out to the BBC and I noticed a few comments from my aunties telling me how good I looked at on the TV and that they were all proud. They had no idea that it wasn't actually me. Rock and roll mass. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's funny listening back to that story that I kind of feel sorry for you a bit. (laughs) So Not at the time. But at the time, I would have happily stopped you. Know? <laughs> I found that my mum. I found it a few, it a few months later. But that that day, they thought um, that was when I, start, I started tiling with my dad the next day because they thought I was going to kill myself. My mum thought I was going to get something <laughs> for him. I, I, so I decided to take me to Trin Beach. So it was like, so that was they did the. Cause they were going it, cause they're going it. It's a beautiful day, mm-hmm. but they were not leaving me. 
in the room. No, that, oh, that was quite mad to hear that off him, oh. So they took you to the time. Oh, she told you that? She told you that story? I think my sister told me. Fucking hell, man. Oh. I thought my mum was worried because she'd never seen me. Actually, like, like sad that before. before. Like that, Fuck. But I, I remember, I remember getting the phone call. Somebody phoned me that was up there saying, "I think your Jamie's been chopped out, sort of thing." And I was like, "What? Oh, no, no chance." And I tried to phone you, loads, and you wouldn't answer your phone. And then Artie phoning me, telling me that you had you had been round, mm-hmm. trying to get yourself back in. I think that I, was the most mental bit. Hello. It's the folklore stories that have happened for him trying to get yourself back in. I mean, it was it varied from like Jamie's running at the French. I know that's what folk folk started thinking that I was trying to climb over the fence. I was I was going in trying to see if there was like a, a break somewhere uh, or something. I knew one of the security guys. And I said, there was one story I heard that Jamie's on a quad trying to get in. I know. I heard that the police were chasing me. Aye, and there was people, there was all sorts, we won't mention names, but worked with an internal, internal DF saying that you were like, jump on Land Rovers to try and jump out of the roof on the fence and all that, I mean it was just mental, I remember phoning you and not, get, and not getting you. No, I remember you phoning me and just telling me to get home as well, because I was still up there, this was probably about so that was Friday a, evening, I was right, still, right, right. so we kicked out the Friday morning at some point, and it was, I was probably... Probably went and slept for about four or five hours at the car park in the car park. And then went in and tried like still to try to try to get back in. Because I, I thought when I spoke spoke to you that I had convinced you to come home. You were like, Aye. I'm coming home. Hi. Have you found out now how you did go home? No. <laughs> no. Don't remember how to get back to where she just woke up in bed. Right. That's what I mean, like Valium, whatever. I think we had planned, because I was working, and it was plans to come home for work, get ready, and then me and Finley were going to go up on the Friday. Right. And then just, Aye, for just, a drink. Just, just go up, <laughs> and go. Just a, a normal so thing. So we thought, like, like Friday night, Saturday night, then we'll Aye. play, and we'll be sound. And then just seeing all that in the group, I was like, nah, surely not, surely this is a bam up or whatever. And then... <laughs> I don't know how you would have managed to convince us to... <clears throat> Let you go up. I remember. I remember us being concerned about it, but because you were, I, you were it, was, it was just blatantly obvious something's going to happen. That bus is fucking notorious. I, I think it just because it, I don't know. Wanted I, to, uh, you wanted to go. Ninety-nine times out of hundred, you'll be fine. I'll be fine. And I suppose you can't stop a grown man doing what he wants to do. But I mean, it's like I don't know how. You almost got the sign off on it. Aye. At that time, that gig was huge to us. Aye. Aye. Teeing the park was like at. Okay, that's the second, second time, time we've done it? Uh, we've done, done the tea break first, year four, four Aye. which was like a massive thing for us then. Oh, no, 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 it was two years two before. Two years before. And we've done that, because then after that one, we got to tell, we wouldn't get to play at Tea in the Park again. But then we were back the next couple of years. Aye. We've done the BBC introducing in stage, and then we've done the main stage. Uh-huh. But that, I mean, that was the fact that we was going to the telly and all that. It was just, it was... Huge for it. Aye, aye, aye. It's getting filmed. And I went. We're headlining the stage. <laughs> aye. <laughs> I remember he had like the flyers printed and all that. Is that that year we done that? Aye. And eh. Uh, oh, it was just. It was just. I was definitely the biggest gig we'd done at the time. At that time, definitely. And it's and as much as you you would be very prone to getting on it and and maybe doing something daft, you would you've never no managed to beat a gig. Aye. 
So would it be? I, 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 I knew that I would be getting a tit and I'm going to be fine on be fine, Sunday. Which, which is why I, I assume it would have been like, I would have been like, oh, just let him go then. So what the, again, I've smoked, this is finding it since then. It's a, I'll just say it's my pal that works in a cafe and the wishy. And a few weeks later, and he was saying, how did you enjoy that speed that I gave you? I was like, what are you talking about? So I mind them at 18 in the park and you came over and you were singing a few tunes in the guitar. And I was like, no. I go, how you came over? And you can go, dear Jamie boy, I've got far too much speed. We had a big bag yet. So I was like, all right. And then I've took it, knowing that I don't even take it or like it, but I had this big bag of speed that I forgot was in my, or don't remember, putting in my top pocket. So when the police did pull it out, I was going, I was honest. So I was going, I don't, no, where that's came from. At what point did, did you think telling the police that you were in a band? So, I mean, just get, at this point, right, so the, the police are chucking you out of the festival. Oh, it's they, just think, they just think you're a punter, right? So, the only thing that's happened, because it's notorious, people with drugs up there, Aye. you were just getting launched out, so you could easily have come back in with us the next, on the Sunday. Aye, the, Nobody the, would have known that they were band. See, if I wasn't as... Out it, I would have been sensible enough to just go right, see you later, and then I could have come back up with us. Phone no Artie, or went home, or phone Artie and goes, I've lost my band, get me in. Because I didn't have any, I, I don't know. I think it's maybe when the police were doing it, thinking that's my one way them sort of, but they would maybe go, Oh, right, right, you're funny with bands. Like, <laughs> come back in, mate. Pete Dockery's over there, go and join He's a drug dealer, but he is in a band. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Why didn't you see We had Amy Winehouse here last year. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, we didn't recognise you. <laughs> and that was another one again. If I can get some gear here, you can take as well. That's how that got confused with the, the Chinese whispers after it that I was shouting at the police, going, Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? I was, I was just trying to explain to them I, I play in a band don't chuck me out because I need to be I need here, to be here. Right. more uh, than more than most it, people most people <laughs> I also like the fact that you're like fucking Julian Assange get, boy, get like escorted to the, the stage that would have been cool but wouldn't it that would have been fucking mint it so I, from then what happened was that was a Friday so we must have went on a mad dash to try and... I got a Saturday, Friday, I've went home and then I've just By slept. Saturday afternoon, at about three o'clock, we were in the rehearsal room with Ian. With a new drummer. You, all, I also got fucking three points in my licence that night because you, I, ran, I, like, I was trying to get to Ian Stewart as quick as possible to try and get a rehearsal because Ian had another gig or something as well so we had to get him. Aye. We only had three hours to rehearsal room to like, show him the full set which was to a clip track so he needs to play, learn these songs he never really heard probably and fucking learn to click. So I was running through fucking red lights and everything to get him, pick him up, took him back to the studio in Hamilton. Was it mad, insane, roasting, and sweaty rehearsal? And that week in, in Chem 19. What well, if that happened now, but you'd need to get Dave Grove. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and to be fair to Ian, man, he pulled out of the bag. I only remember this, that was that three hour rehearsal, and then up at Tea in the Park, there was the week kind of like MIDI kit set up, we're like for the, for the bands one, get to play yeah. and we just come commandeered that and fucking no. played that for that's us. It. No, Cheers. in fact, you know why I wanted to be there? I remember why I wanted to go up early in the team park. Snoop Dogg was playing on the Friday and I was... Dying to... I was dying to meet him just to like get a joint with Snoop Dogg and get a photo of him and thinking 
I'll be able to do that because I'll be able to go anywhere I want. Aye. Uh, I mind that's why I really wanted to go up early. As well as going up on the bus and all that sort of thing. I wanted to go up for the weekend. I remember as well, the, so I, that was the Saturday then, <clears> and then Sunday when we went up. No, sorry, I had to go up on the Saturday then. Because there was the press had got a holiday at the press area. Did we all go up? Because me and Finlay went up. Yeah. I remember me and Finlay we went up, up on the Saturday. And I remember being backstage trying to cut deals with like The Sun and the Daily Record to be like, no break the story because the, the consensus was that this would fucking end the career, which is nonsense when you think about it. But yeah, obviously it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have helped. It wouldn't have helped it, no. It's, it's, you're, you're in a time now with the bad boy walking and it doesn't help not, you. It would have helped. It wouldn't have helped if I, if I did get back and help us for the gig, but it'd be all the papers in a bad way sort of thing. Aye, wouldn't it be like, oh, incredible uh, valley-ridden fucking drummer still <laughs> manages to pull off the set. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Do you know what I mean? So I had to fucking, I remember Drumming just... out on bail to play. <laughs> 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 uh, I just remember trying to be like, please don't print this and fucking be sound, don't end a career sort of thing. And managing to stop it going, there was at one point it was going to be front page, not this part of <laughs> fucking nonsense. And look where we are now. I know, podcast <laughs> ready. Men okay. with our own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Here, see the old Wishy Market? Uh-huh. Is that what he used to, is that, was that like a version of the, the Barris? Where you could go and get like chip PlayStation games and all that? Aye. Right. I just know Market, but then it was, it's like, old nurses now, but it's just a... Uh, Sort of waste ground, it was just a calf park, sort of thing. A big, but we had three buses we were able to meet in Central Machine. How did they chip your PlayStation? What did they do it? I read something about this not that long ago, but I can't really remember. It was a thing that went in the back of it, uh-huh. and then it, it what did it bypass that it could allow you just to play every game? Something to do with regions, so games were region locked, right. That's as much as I can remember. I remember. Because like, you'd think they'd be able to do it now. Nah, you don't really seem to get pirate. No, that's what I'm saying. Computer games is the only one that's like Aye, uh, that's survived it. Uh, business is still booming. Aye, totally. I remember. You can't just illegally download. I, I suppose you can if you really good. Really I had a pal that uh, his mum worked in Blockbuster, and every Friday we'd go and get three games. I'd copy them because I had a oh, PC yeah, there, like a, a double disc tray, and I'd go in and punt all the games on the Monday, and that's used to how I used to get my weekend money. I'd done it with CDs. Just burned them and sold them? Mm-hmm. Do you have a wee list? No, just, uh, uh, it wasn't as big a scale as that, it was just like, <laughs> yeah, a couple of folk. <laughs> Maybe that's... The... It was just like three <laughs> Do you want this Lincoln Park album? <laughs> I did. He'd come to me with a... An artist. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go out, I can do that for you. I remember buying a mini disc player about four days before iPods sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I bought DMX Grand Champ album on the old mini disc. Um, when was the first time you went to Tina Park? Rage Against the Machine. That was 2009. Eight. Eight. Run about then. Or 2007, maybe. I don't know, 2007 or 8, I want to say 8. 7 or 8. I don't know, I'd, I'd been twice before then. So it was a wage when you first went? 13 or something. Oh. I went with my big cousin. Young, you got up to Tina Park, innit? I always really, really wanted to go, I don't know. Just, there was this big festival thing that was happening. First time I played Tina Park, or went to Tina Park was... When you played it? We played it. 
million miles away, but uh, uh, it's funny, Matt, like, sharing the hang on Facebook and then Matt and Helen going, <laughs> well done, Jamie, you look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Best That's why I'm all bloated. Best drumming ever. <laughs> alcoholic 23-year-old. <laughs> How how did you end up going to hospital? Um, I was at a thirtieth at the weekend. I was with my mum and dad, and uh, I was doing a pee. Mm-hmm. So I was getting a few drinks that night. But I had to, it was it was a weekend after Tina Park, so, so you hadn't took any note of what we told you at all then. I think that was, you can't you can't drink ever at gigs. Exactly. Right. Right. But on a Saturday I was at a family party. Saturday's fuck gigs. And it was all good. And <laughs> I was allowed to be in the band again. For that family party. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Uh, Entourage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mum, it's alright. I'm still the drummer, mum. So I was celebrating. Celebrating <laughs> <laughs> so a good old drink. No, I was getting. It's <laughs> at a family party. I was doing a pish and I noticed that my right bob was big enough that. I wouldn't even say to my dad or any of the other guys that were there. It was like I'm saying that to my mum. Oh, right, like, you bypassed I'm not that, feeling man. good in my right yeah. ball, never shoulder yeah. or that, but I was like, my right size ball is the size of a golf ball or something like that. Oh. And then I went home. Just gonna say you feel in the morning. And I woke up in the morning. I was fucked. Hey. How can't it make your balls so funny? So Sunday day, we glands. So my pancreas, the pancreas was fucked, but then the glands, which is similar to your, your mump, mm-hmm. the mumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically like having mumps in my boys, and my pancreas was fucked, and I was just like, oh, don't know what, what was wrong, but they took us down to Wishy General. Enough that I knew I was ill enough, especially with my boy, to say to my mum, like, I'm going to go to hospital. Um, bye. <laughs> Which I wouldn't name no dramatic like that sort of thing. Aye. No hypochondriac. Is that the word? Mm-hmm. Hypochondriac. Yeah. Uh, and then she took us into the hospital and I was freezing and roasting and I had a bad fever and took us up to a sweet room at Here Myers and I was <laughs> much like the coronavirus. I was like in a room quarantined with just folk looking in the window and taking notes. <laughs> There's a drummer that wants to tea in Bad boy rocker. One big ball. <laughs> I was there for about four, four or five nights. Woof. Then that's what I did. They said don't drink for about ten weeks. I didn't drink till the Marvel Beer Festival. Late that September. So you'd listen to your daughter, but you weren't listening to your own band. Well, they said don't drink. I did listen. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did not drink, and then I did. Right. <laughs> anyway, good times, good story. Again, don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Donate to us on the Patreon. I think we will set up a Patreon for this so we can continue to fund our, our podcast addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Just love doing it so much. It's actually quite good to hear the stories again. I kind of forgot a lot about that time. Why? The memories. The memories. Um, so, uh, um, do you know what it's called, the podcast yet? I've had you called it the Laugh on Days podcast. Laugh on Days podcast. Real talk with the Laugh on Days. Real talk with the Laugh on Days. Big issue. Hey, aye, please uh, keep sharing it with your friends and family. And cheers. See you next week.
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.